to Nonprofit Lowdown. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Rhea Wong. In this podcast, I recommend a book, tool, tip, podcast, or resource that has helped me to build a multi-million dollar nonprofit organization. I've done the research, so you don't have to. Let's get started. Hey, podcast listeners, Rhea Wong with you once again with Nonprofit Lowdown. I am very pleased today to welcome my guest, Brandy Henry, who is a consultant for Be Comfortable on Instagram. So guess what we're talking about today? Facebook, just kidding, Instagram. (laughs) And we're going to talk about how nonprofits can leverage Instagram for their own social good. Welcome, Brandy. Thank you so much. I'm really thrilled to be here, and I really do want to help nonprofits take advantage of Instagram in a way that they are uniquely positioned to do. Fabulous. I want to talk all about that too. But before we get started with that, tell me very briefly about yourself and how you got started in your current company. Yeah. So my background actually is in guidance and counseling, and it translates pretty well into how to engage well on social media. (laughs) In other words, I focused a lot on helping young adults transition into adulthood. And a lot of the skills that are necessary for that are very similar to the skills that we use to be professional and grown up on social media. One of my favorite platforms, though, is Instagram, which I fell in love with years ago. And what I've found is since I'm a Gen X, my age and a little older are a little behind on Instagram. And so I get to help them and get paid for it to get going as they need to be for solopreneurs primarily. And one area I found that I would love to help with is nonprofits. And so that's how I got going in my area. Okay. So we're going to delve deep into Instagram or as the kids call it, IG. Am I right? Yes, I I do it as well. <laughs> I feel so I feel so hip. But the thing that really struck me when you first contacted me about this is that you said you were offering your services pro bono to nonprofits to help them with IG and nobody was taking you up on that. What's up with that? Cuz free I like free. <laughs> <laughs> I like it too and I, you know, I was asking in return for testimonials or referrals. And what I found was a lot of just confusion probably, or not understanding how it would benefit them and really should they put the resources on it. I think another thing that came up maybe in people's minds is, well, who would be in charge of it? And those were all the things that I would have loved to help them with. And I kept just getting put off and put off and put off by people next month, next month. Oh, we're really, you know, until finally I said, look, I'm, I'm going to focus on my business, but I hope, you know, I wish everybody well. And then your call for guest, I came out and I thought, aha, here's my chance. Yeah, finally, <laughs> for sure. So all of the people listening, Brandy is ready to help you for the low, low price of zero. So call her. I will include her info in the show notes. You might be careful what you ask for. You might get flooded. (laughs) I'll paint it out. (laughs) Let's get down to business because I, as a busy nonprofit executive myself or in my previous life, I totally get it. Like I've got a gajillion things to do. Social media probably falls down around your like ordering toilet paper. And so I'm wondering, the toilet paper is actually in some ways, more important. Anyway, but the point, <laughs> the point is, like, how would you explain to the busy nonprofit executive why they should make time and investment in social media and in particular Instagram? I would emphasize the 
culture on Instagram is ripe for nonprofits. Instagram's culture is very upbeat. It's very uplifting. People go to see stories told in a visual medium. And what nonprofits have is that uplifting story that can be told visually by highlighting the work that the nonprofit is doing, by highlighting the successes, the events, the people behind the scenes, the donors, the volunteers working. All of that can be told so well on Instagram. It's very engaging and you can really leverage all the free tools on Instagram way before you ever even consider paying for an ad. Yeah. I mean, that all sounds good. I'm just going to play devil's advocate for a second. I'm like, cool, Brandy. I, you know, I get it. Seems like a great idea, but is this really going to translate into dollars? Because frankly, like I'm thinking about ROI. I'm thinking about, can I devote some of my already strapped staff time to this if I'm not actually seeing some kind of payoff at the end? Absolutely. That's a very good question. And what I see that happens, at least in my mailbox, is I get a lot of mailings for different nonprofits that we have donated to in the past, and that's fair. However, I'm wondering how much is being spent on there when that same nonprofit could be posting on Instagram and just doing these little drips of reminders of all the good work they're doing all year long before I get the request at the holidays for another donation when they're not top of mind. Another thing that can be done is going out and following all those donors and volunteers and engaging with them and staying top of mind and reminding them to come on in. We'll talk a little bit later about calls to action, but definitely the return on investment is absolutely worth it, especially when it can be done at no cost except the time. Yeah, that's an interesting point. So let's talk a little bit about the demographics on Instagram, because you mentioned that folks who are Gen X and a little bit older are not necessarily on Instagram in the same way. And I'm just thinking about all of the different types of platforms. And like, if I'm a nonprofit, I'm totally confused about like, okay, do I do Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, you know, YouTube, like the list of Twitter, right? I'm like, oh God, where do I even begin? So talk to me a little bit about like who's on Instagram and why as a nonprofit should I be investing on Instagram versus another platform? That's a really good point. The top demographic are millennials, but they are not pushing out or crowding out anybody. The next big, really engaging group is actually baby boomers. When you see the generation just a little older than I am, I'm Gen X. When they go on Instagram, they are very intentional and they're there to really pay attention, to show a little bit what they're doing with their lives. A lot of times they're in an encorepreneur position or role, or they're getting out books and poetry. And there are donor dollars. And I will argue that if you want to get ahead of the curve with millennials who are now in the top age range is 38, 39, as they ascend with their incomes, you want to be already part of their feed, part of who they know out in the community. So as they get into positions of being able to donate, 
you want to already be there. Yeah. Okay. So that's a very compelling case because I know a lot of what people are thinking about are their donor pipelines, right? And who are going to be their donors tomorrow as baby boomers start to phase out, Gen Xers get older. I mean, we, we always need to replenish that pipeline. So that makes a, a solid case. But let's talk nitty gritty here. I'm like, Brandy, I am a small nonprofit. I do not have a lot of time. Like, what kind of commitment are we talking about here? When you're talking about posting, like, how often, what kind of content, like, and how much time should I be thinking about devoting to this? I would encourage if you're the person in charge who's the decision maker and the account you decide is going to be in your hands, I would put on your calendar three times a week for about 20 minutes. And I would encourage all of your staff to be sending you content throughout the week, pictures, short videos, and use what they send you to post. So you're not thinking about having to capture content all the time. Allow the people out on the floor or the field to send you what they're doing. And you can, once, twice a week, post what I call a story arc that tells the story of what happened during the week or at a particular event or setting up for a fundraiser or the work behind the scenes or the success stories of the people who completed a program. And that way, everyone's involved, but the decision maker decides what goes out and what is seen. That time can also be used for engaging and noticing what your previous donors and volunteers are doing by just saying, hey, or hi. Think of it as a really good use of time at the water cooler or a coffee break. Okay. So a couple of different things there. So I'm hearing, you know, plan your content, but also have people feed into you. So you're, it's not just on you to think about what to post on, on Instagram, but also make the time to engage with your audience, right? Because I think that's the other thing is I see people just like blasting stuff out. I'm like, uh, who, what, what is this going? Right. But that, you know, depending on how big your audience is, that could be a pretty significant chunk of time as well if you have to reply to comments and so forth. No? Definitely. I want everyone, if you make a post, no matter who you are, you ought to be responding to those comments. Instagram isn't a big discussion platform, so the comments you do get, really say thanks and appreciate those. If you're getting direct messages, respond to those. And it does take a bit of time, but it's time well spent. It's time engaging, and it's time just staying top of mind, little drips here and there, reminding your donors and the people who support you what you're up to and that you're interested in them as well. Got it. Let's talk about, again, I'm not a huge Instagram user, but I know that there are the posts and then there are Instagram stories and then Facebook Lives and all these other new features. Like, How should I be thinking about that in the context of my Instagram strategy? I would think of it in terms of how much time and what you enjoy doing. So if you're just getting started with Instagram, let's focus just on the feed and putting in good content, good images of what's going on. And then kind of graduate up to doing some stories once you're more comfortable. From there, if you are getting video content, you can definitely post into your feed or if it's longer than a minute into IGTV. But to start with, just get comfortable with posting into your feed and getting content out into the world about what your organization is doing. Okay. So let's say that I, I'm the decision maker, I'm the ED, and I think that this is a great idea, but I don't personally have time to do it and I want to delegate it. But I want to make sure that when I delegate it, it there's a, as you say, an arc that 
we're staying true to the brand or that we're not posting craziness, how would we recommend that we plan it out so that it, there's a cohesiveness to the to the content? Yeah, that's a really good point because you do want to stay true to brand and you want to stay mature. So it's tempting to hand it off without thinking too hard about it. But what I would encourage the decision maker to do is really think about who on their staff they can really trust to be mature on the platform, to be kind in their words and supportive. And that's the person I would consider handing that off to, as well as someone who, you know, knows how to all, what all the buttons do, knows how to find where comments are coming in, knows where to find where the direct messages are coming in. And those are important things, but especially that voice that the person is going to use in the response and in the comments and in the copy that goes below the pictures. And would you recommend having some kind of document, be it, you know, planning document or principles or policies around how we engage on IG? Because, I mean, certainly we've had tons of examples in the world of people who have gotten in trouble for, for their social media feeds or popping off a comment too quickly. And I think it's tempting to do because it's immediate and it's there. But I take your point, which is you do want to be mindful of your brand and particularly not to generational shame or millennial shame here, but if it's someone who is a bit younger in their career who may not necessarily understand all of the different ramifications of the communication strategy. Oh, absolutely. I only say that from experience. I was in my 20s once too, and I wouldn't have handed it off to yeah. myself. <laughs> right. But that's so tempting, right? Because as a as an ED, you're like, oh, who's the young person in this office who knows how to do the thing? Here, take it. Right, right. And I would argue I'd rather train somebody on the buttons who you know will be cooler headed and intentional. I actually give all my clients a sheet that says how to say it on social media. And it's about 20, 25 different pre-worded with some blanks in their quotes of responses that they can use when they feel stuck. And that might be something that an organization might want to hand to somebody as well. Could we include it in the show notes? Absolutely. I will. I'm making a note right now. Fabulous. You. Thank you. Okay. So, so we think that this is a great strategy. Let's talk about content for a little second. What would you recommend as far as what I would call kind of narrative content around like who our clients are, what our staff is doing, da, 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 and actually call to actions, right? Because at the end of the day, I'm looking at the bottom line. Right. Right. So in the account's bio or profile, you definitely want to have the link or the website that takes a person to your top priority. Because in because in Instagram, you get one link. That's it. You don't get to link in comments. You don't get to link in responses. You don't get to link in videos. You get to link only from your profile slash bio. And that link needs to take people exactly to where you want them to go. So a call to action could be, this is an event we have coming up and we're excited about it. Here's some pictures from last year. Here's pictures of us getting ready. These are the goals that we have. We'd love to have you. Tickets are available, link through our bio. And so at that time, that link takes people directly to where they can get tickets for the event. Or maybe at the time, the call to action is, it's a great time to donate. We're gearing up for feeding on Thanksgiving. We'd love to have your donation. 
you can link to that through our bio. It takes you directly to PayPal or whatever the platform is. So go ahead. Oh, I was just thinking, so but how often should we be including calls to action compared with just like informative content? I think as a nonprofit, you get to do a call to action every time. Oh, okay. Yeah, because you're a nonprofit, you're out there doing good in the world. We appreciate the work that you do. And that rule for you guys is broken and you get it every time. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Listen, one of my mottos is if you don't ask, you don't get, right? So that's right. I love that. That's right. Talk to me a little bit about, because you talked about this and we didn't really underline it, but consistency to me seems really important, right? Because, you know, I, one of the platforms that I'm on are on a regular basis is LinkedIn. I mean, do notice like, there are people who post like very randomly, like sometimes they'll post like three times in a week and then you won't hear from them for like a week and a half and it just feels a little jarring. So what sort of frequency would you recommend for folks? I would choose a frequency that works for the organization or the person who's using the platform. So I would set it on the calendar, whether it was once a week or twice a week. Also, depending on how much content you're getting from your staff or however you choose to gather it. And I would set it, like I said, on the calendar and then stick to it. And instead of trying to do something three, five, four, five, six times a day, just once a week is plenty so that you're dropping into people's feed, dropping reminders of all that you do. If you can consistently do twice a week, that would be great. Put it on the calendar. And consistency isn't just frequency, but it's also sticking to the brand. It's being consistent with tone. It's being consistent with how things are presented. And those things matter too. Got it. One other thing I wanted to ask about, which is sort of geeky, is I've noticed, I'm trying to keep up with the kids, but I've noticed that there's this trend towards using the, I guess, caption section of the feed for longer form comments, almost sort of blog style. Is that something that you've been noticing? And do you recommend that nonprofits take advantage of that? I think it's fine. I have been noticing that. And I do think it speaks to a niche. There are people who do enjoy that. They like to know the story behind the image above. And it really depends on if that's what the nonprofit wants to do. I think because of the work that nonprofits do and the joy and the help that they bring communities, I think go for it. If you want to do a long form, couple of paragraphs below the image, definitely tell the story of what is going on in those pictures. I have my clients number in their copy in the comments below the picture, like picture number one is giving this and number two is that and three is this. So you're, you know, helping them fill in the details of what they're looking at. Of course, there's an overall title to the whole thing, but day at the pumpkin patch or something, but it draws the viewer into the story of the events. And so they're part of it. So yeah, use up that space, tell the story. And I just also want to plug something that is like one of my personal pet peeves here, which is, I think that <laughs> nonprofits generally have like terrible photos. Like I can't ever like figure out what they're actually focused on. So I don't know, this is just a personal pet peeve, but I, I would say like, isn't worth investing in a nice camera or like just doing a very rudimentary, like basics to photography class? I definitely think that the image does matter. And I'll give an example. And I think I know what you're saying. For example, you don't want to post a, an image of a giant room of people 
all sitting and looking forward to the tiny dot of the speaker up front. Get up there and get a picture of the speaker up close, right? Bring us into the moment, not this vast sea of getting lost in the image. And with that, as far as the quality of the image, I think most of us on our phones, especially those of us, if our phones are within three, four years old, have fantastic cameras. And there's a lot you can do to capture a good image. I will say, make sure you're capturing your image in the square format. So the one colon one, or however it's described on your phone, because Instagram, the images are square. So make sure that the images you take on your phone are square so that the pixels translate over really well and the size matches. As far as investing in a separate camera or something that could get lost, I wouldn't. I would just have everybody using their phones and sending the content to one person. Okay. Let me change tacks a little bit here. I want to talk about metrics. So I know people get very obsessed with how many followers, how many likes, so on and so forth. What are the metrics that really matter? The metrics that really matter are going to the profile. So I prefer clients to have what's called a professional or we used to call it a business account because you do get those analytics. And in those where it'll say how the posts did more or less, we want to stick to the content that drives people to the profile where they're wanting to learn more and probably clicking on that link. It's really easy, as you said, to get obsessed with likes or comments But likes and comments don't pay the light bill. What we need are people who are going to that profile and following even further into engaging with the nonprofit beyond Instagram. So that's where we really want to pay attention is notice the content that gets people to look at the profile. Yeah, that's a really good point because like, <laughs> I was reading a, a piece about how teenagers are using Instagram and that they'll take certain posts down if they're not getting enough likes within a certain time period. <laughs> which I was like, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> I have too much to think about in my life. I, I can't think about taking down posts. How should we be thinking about like benchmarking our success? For example, like just because you started an Instagram account tomorrow, does it mean like you're going to get a thousand followers the next day? And so especially for the busy executive who really has to think about where they're spending their resources, what are some reasonable benchmarks that show that we're moving in the right direction? That's a really good point. Instagram is not a quick turnaround. This is a longer term game. It can be for some. If you're already a a fairly well-known person or organization, and when you show up on Instagram and you put it out to your people through a newsletter or your other platforms that you're there, you'll get the followers much more quickly. But for most of us, it's going to take a little more time. Yeah, we're not Oprah people. Like, come on. We're not. We're not. I like to say to my my clients, we're not we're Beyonce. Not, we're also not Beyonce, unfortunately. <laughs> I am in my own mind, but not like in real life. <laughs> That's right. So we're going to have to put a little more effort mm-hmm. in. And what that what that's going to look like what I suggest when we first show up on Instagram and we're posting and we do think about hashtags is in another platform where our clients already know us is let them know that we're there or go and follow. I would hand the, this is where I would hand the phone over to someone with extra time or a volunteer and say, Hey, this is our list of donors. Please search if they're on Instagram and follow them. 
Yeah. And most likely they're going to follow us right back, especially if it's clear that, you know, the name of our nonprofit is, is that handle, is our name on the account. They're going to be happy to see us. Here's our list of most active volunteers. Go follow them. You know, really start engaging with the people who have already shown they love you by donating money and showing up. And I'm just going to put a plug in here. I don't know if this is something that you talk about, but like when I was on IG, I noticed it was such a time suck for me because I would just like go down <laughs> these rabbit holes of like, oh, let me yeah. like look at this new celebrity diet thing. So like if you do have the phone over or if you yourself are doing it, don't get distracted. Go do what you were meant to do. That's right. I encourage everybody to have a social media mission statement so that you know why you're there and stick to it. And you also know why you're not there. So when you log in, you stick to that mission statement, you do what you're there to do, you stick to the brand and the tone and the positivity. And when that timer dings at 17 minutes later or whatever it is, move on. Yeah, seriously. Stop looking at Gwyneth Paltrow's celebrity diet. Focus on the thing. That's right. It's so hard to do. Okay, last question as we wrap up. How do we use hashtags in Instagram? Hashtags are this kind of crazy puzzle. Everyone says that they're the way to grow your platform and get more followers. And yet, years and years and years later, they are helpful. But I have not found any one hashtag that has rocked my world. Brandy, I'm so glad that you said that because I'm like, am I totally missing the boat on this? Like, I hashtag stuff. I don't know what I'm doing. It hasn't like changed any, like it hasn't rocked my world but maybe I'm doing it wrong. I don't know. Maybe I'm bad at Instagram. <laughs> You're not. I think we are all hashtagging the heck out of everything. And what I would encourage a nonprofit to do is definitely have your own hashtag just because it's fun, you know, create your own as part of your brand, but hashtag really local areas where your donors tend to live or engage with. So you're in Brooklyn, I might hashtag the local high school or hashtag areas that are a little more intimate versus like the bigger, broader hashtags like love always. I would focus with that and I wouldn't stress over it. If it means not posting because you're worried about what hashtags to use, forget the hashtags, get the post up, and engage with your followers. Good advice. Good advice. Anything else that we should talk about before we sign off? I just want to really encourage nonprofits to give Instagram a try and make it fun. Get on there, show people what you're doing because the work you're doing is really important and we all really appreciate what you're doing and we don't get to see it enough. Those of us who aren't always one of the regular volunteers, we don't get to see all the background and we do. Those of us who donate, we do want to see it. We just have to pick and choose our time. And if you show up on Instagram, we would love to cheer you on. Awesome. Well, Brandy, thank you so much for all of the advice. And I'll make sure, yet again, folks listening, this lady knows her stuff. So if you want some help for F-R-E-E, contact her. I'll put her information in the show notes. Again, Brandy, be careful what you ask for. And I'll also make sure to, to link to some of the resources that you mentioned. For sure. Thank you. This has really been a pleasure. I Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. 